Let's welcome tonight's speaker, Dominic. My name is Dominic. I'm a combustible reader. Hi, Dominic. Hi. I'm glad to be here, and I'm glad to be absent today. I, um, how do you say? I've been in the program 20 years <laughs> since this, um, I came. I came in 1997, and I stayed. <laughs> and uh, I say the statistics. Just I was. Soon after, I weighed myself on it. I was, it took me about six months before I got abstinent, you know, in, in the program, but I, I came in Southern California first. And when I, by the time I got abstinent, I weighed myself, I was 333 pounds. <laughs> I know the number because it was the last number on the scale. <laughs> it said E after that. <laughs> and uh, sometime prior to that, I'd been heavier, maybe like a year ago, I had been 352 pounds. And I mean, that was the most I weighed myself at. And um, in my story, I talk a lot about what it was like because everybody's different, and everybody. That's that's what I resonated with when I got here. You know, was I grew up and I was an overweight kid, and I got I grew up in Ireland, and I grew up in a rural, <laughs> like I grew up in a rural area. But I was overweight, and you know, I grew up in an alcoholic home, and by the time I was. Eight, nine, ten. I was aware that I was overweight. You know what I mean. It was pointed out to me, and you know, my parents were unhappy with it. I, even my grandmother, who was very doting and very caring and lived with us, she still was unhappy with my weight. You know what I mean. And she was happy with buying clothes and how much I. And very early on, it just became a whole area of shame for me, like shame and guilt, and actually. If you really think about it, I was aware of the powerlessness because that's how the hopelessness. I felt hopeless even as a young kid about being overweight because I, I didn't know like I had that scene, like I don't know how to change this. I mean, I had the thought of not eating, and I, I focus a lot when I talk about the weight because that was the center and focus of my mind. But I mean, ultimately, it was about eating. Like I was very aware that they were connected, <laughs> that it was the eating, and then. Uh, just, but I also was aware that I couldn't stop, you know. And uh, for me, number one was sugar, you know, was the number one thing. You know, I'd eat anything and any, any, <laughs> but sugar was a, a huge deal. And um, I also, so then I, like, I wasn't a super crafty kid, but I, I, you know, they, I grew up in these, in the middle of all these farm in this farming area and they'd be all of, and we all played with each other and all these other farmhouses and stuff and I would uh, like I, I would be at our home when they ate and I'd be at the other home they ate at a different time and I'd eat there and I, you know and I, and I it wasn't like I, I got up and made that plan it just happened and that's how eating was for me I, I didn't have to I don't have to plan it it just happens <laughs> and I, I mean it always it always just happens and uh, that was my story, and I, you know, and, and of course, then like what happened, my weight started to go up. You know, the years, a year would go by, and my weight would go up, and that was that was it. And by the time I was ten, eleven, I knew about dieting. I saw that lady on TV. It's obviously it's a long time ago. She had the Beverly Hills diet, and I was like, she was on TV, and I, I remember I got pineapple. I did the whole thing, and I, and that was hard, like as a kid. But it also shows the resilience and the resourcefulness, and I did that. And the and like every diet I'd ever that I probably was on and stuck to, I lost weight while I was on it. Like if I eat less, I lost weight, and then 
I, every diet that I've been on, there was a day that I wasn't on the diet. You know what I mean? There was a day, and I've dieted long period, like most diets were like minutes. <laughs> they were like from the time I woke up till <laughs> the first, but there was a lot of diets that were weeks, there were some that were months, and there were some that were like many months, you know, where I dieted off like 80 pounds and 60 pounds and 30 pounds and, you know, but they were few and far between. Most of the time I was overweight and most of the diets were short. But the thing was I was obsessed with them and I was constantly thinking about the diet I was just on or the one I'm going to be on. But there was always like, the, if you notice, there's a nice gap between those two things and it's the, I can do whatever I want right now and just eat what's in front of me, you know, because one's in the past and one's in the future and like whatever. So, and that was it. And everything was going to change in the future, you know, like... I used everything. I like to think of it like the winter solstice and the summer solstice and the, you know, the holidays, the new year. I mean, there was a way more like, there's a way more days that in the future that I can say I'm going to change what I'm doing and still, which kind of you, I used as a license to eat what I was going to eat right now, you know? And then, and that's just the story of my, my addiction. It was just eating. And, um, I, did all the thing. I have a story like I, I drank a lot, you know, when I was young. I got I started to drink relatively early, like fifteen, sixteen years old, and I I drank a lot and but I was just it was all about I was a, I didn't care about that I drank too much or I didn't care about drinking. I cared that I was fat and I couldn't stop eating, you know, and I was ashamed that I was I never had girlfriends. I never um and I mean, I'm, I'm, I was happy that I grew up in the country because I, you know, I, bullying and teasing wasn't a huge, huge problem for me. I was always afraid of it, but it was never a huge problem. So I had good friends and stuff like that, and I was, I'm grateful for that. And then, um, you know, I went to college. Of course, you think you're going to go to college. It's all going to change. <laughs> and, um, you know, the first year, I nothing changed, you know, was eating. And, and the summers in between colleges, I, start, I started coming to the U.S. on the summer break like to New Jersey I had family there and I would work on landscaping and outside jobs and in those things I'd actually lose weight so the summer was quite good I would diet do a physical job lose a bunch of weight back go back and and I never had a real plan for what was going to happen when I went back <laughs> but with no plan of course all that happened was I started eating and by the time I was the end of the next like you know they have three three terms and you come out the other thing I was back up to like the new top weight, you know, and the new top weight was like 260, 273, you know, there was, there was always some new number on the scale. And um, one time I didn't actually gain a whole lot of weight over the course of the year, but for most of it, but I did drink a lot then, you know, but um, then I, after college, I moved over here to Southern California. Oh no, I worked for a little bit there and then I moved over to Southern California and there was a lot of drinking, and somewhere in the middle of all the drinking, there was a bunch of drugs, and I started doing a lot of drugs, and, like, I loved them, you know, because I didn't want to eat. <laughs> I mean, I love the drugs because they're powerful narcotics and really affect you, but also, I didn't want to eat. That was, I love that. Of course, I wouldn't, that isn't a good way to not eat, you know, there's, they have, they're hugely destructive, powerful things, and I had a, the whole consequences of all of that after a while. And not not a it wasn't a long period, but I was in serious trouble, and I had to go to court, and I had to go to AA, and I had to go to um, program every week, and 
I remember I went and they forced, they said to go to like NA meetings and AA meetings and CA meetings, all kinds of meetings. So, but I remember I went to an NA meeting and there was a guy talking about heroin, which I had never done. And he described his whole story in excruciating detail, a really good pitch, like a very engaging guy. And I remember the guy's name was Kenny. And I thought, man, if this guy was talking about food, he would have just told my story. Like, and it wasn't that, like, can you imagine he had a completely, this guy grew up in the U.S. and he was doing drugs in the 70s. He had just a different story. But, he, like, I could have gone with the journey with him beat for beat on, on how the addiction ruled and won every single time. Like, it didn't matter what he thought. It didn't matter what he wanted. It didn't matter what the, the circumstances were. At the end, the addiction won, and it took you the next step. And that was... That's how it was for me. Like, that's how it felt. And, I, and you know, it's very easy when you look at somebody like that because there's, there's a lot of external factors. Like, there was, a lot of exter- there was a lot of society telling that guy, like, what was wrong with him and what he shouldn't be doing. But, you know, when you're 300 pounds and you're going to college, it's maybe once in a while a doctor will tell you maybe this isn't a good idea. But for the most part, you're pretty isolated. But, I mean, I still felt the very same. Like, I... I Internally, I mean, it felt like this huge struggle and this huge battle all the time, you know, and I just, it was just so all-consuming, you know, just all-consuming, but you wouldn't know that from the outside, you know, and and also, I mean, there's a few times I had tried to have the conversation with a normal person, you know, like a normal leader, and, you know, they, I mean, it's not like they're not empathetic, but they, they look at you like, why can't you just to just have no reaction they don't know what to say or i mean they don't understand it you know so long story like long story short i ended up finding out about oa and i went to overage anonymous meeting and it was like a wednesday evening tiny meeting probably like six people most of us had had come from fast food joints to the meeting probably mm-hmm. not that anybody was saying that but I had at least, and but in that meeting, I heard about where the next meeting was, and i didn't I didn't go for probably six months, but I knew where it was, and I couldn't forget it, you know and then i'd been and I did stay work I went to AA and I did that program and I worked it, and I had a sponsor and i and I needed to be there i'm not I wasn't there like as a visitor <laughs> but <laughs> but the thing was they of course, the, I tried to die. The, my eating started to get more and more, you know, like I was, became more front and center, you know. And like I, I only do it like I was this, I was the cake person for an AA meeting. I was the cookie person for an AA meeting. I'd like set, I would set, it was a 70 person meeting. I would set up it all and then I would start slowly eating some of the cookies. And eventually I would eat too much. And I would have to like rush to the store and get some more back. And I mean, I would just, I'm just an eater, you know, I just eat. And then that's where my weight kind of hit the top, you know, where I got to my top weight. And then I went on another diet, and I dieted off some of that. Probably I was 250 pounds, and I probably dieted off 30 pounds. And then there was a day I wasn't on the diet. I started eating again, and, and you know, I'm back up. So I eventually went to the Saturday morning men's meeting at Hofstad in near John Wayne Airport. I went to the meeting, and I... I didn't want to be there. I wanted to sit in the back, and I didn't want to talk to anybody, and I was angry, and I didn't, you know. And, but I, but, you know, it was the only place for, like, the whole week that I felt comfortable. Like, everybody was super welcoming. Nobody bothered me. They were super welcoming. And I could sit there, and they were all compulsive readers of all different sizes, all different stages of recovery, all things. And I was like, I'm just one of these people here. Like, I don't, it's the one, like, freedom from the judgment, you know, because... 
really, I mean, if I think about it, the food was kicking my ass at that point. Like it was never, it was just a nonstop. I'd wake up in the morning and I was thinking about what I wasn't going to eat or what I was about to eat. And it was, it was just all day relentless. And some days I ate more, sometimes I ate less. But the one thing is, it just wasn't, there was no give up on it. I just couldn't not eat. And, uh, and I remember I'd, I would, you know, go out, I'd go to the, all those meetings, I'd eat whatever dinner I'd have, like all that, and then I'd go home. And, you know, sometimes I'd have enough, and sometimes it wasn't, and sometimes I'd have to go out and buy more food, and sometimes I'd, I would bring that home and eat it, and sometimes I'd have to go again. And, and I, I, like, I didn't know where it was going to stop. I didn't know where it was going to end, you know. So I, that's what kept me going to that, the meeting, and also the fact that I felt comfortable at the meeting, you know. And, of course, there's a book, or it used to be the Lifeline Sampler, which is like a compendium of all the lifelines or a bunch of lifeline stories. And I, I'd search that book constantly for like somebody who lost 100 pounds but didn't work the steps or didn't have a sponsor. You know? <laughs> I don't know what that, you know. And like when I, when I think about that, really what it was is I, I didn't want to surrender. Like I was afraid to give up the food. As much as I hated the, the kind of dominance of the food, I still didn't want to surrender. I was afraid to give it up. And I mean, that's, of course, every addict is afraid to give up what they're addicted to. And you, and for me, it's worked a hundred percent. And I can only speak my experience and what I've seen. But from my experience, to accept it as an addiction that I'm powerless over has—it's not really statistically a sampling size of one isn't statistically significant. But all the sampling I've done <laughs> has indicated I'm completely powerless over food, <laughs> and I can't control it, you know, without the help of a program and having a thing, and that. And when I came here, I was able to stop, you know, and I, after about six months, I moved up here for a job up to San Francisco and I came to a meeting and, you know, I, took, I called somebody on the phone and they had six years of abstinence, meaning they had six years of three meals a day, nothing in between. And at this point, I couldn't go a single day. There was no, there were, I tried constantly to eat three meals, even just to eat three meals, and I couldn't eat three meals for a day. Something would happen that there was some other food in between that. So I, I just went to, the, you know, I, I said I'd meet him at the meeting. I went to the meeting. There was a bunch of people there. And I believed them. They all had recovery. You know, they were all, everybody had, like, lost lots of weight, were absent for a lot of years. And, I, you know, I was well-versed in, like, the whole 12-step meetings and everything like that. So, but not so, but at the same time, I, I didn't know if it was going to work for me. You know, I didn't know I could do it or I, I did it. But I started to do it, and that was, like, in September of, 1997, and I, I just started doing a day at a time, you know. And I had all these things. What about this? What if this happens? You don't know me. I don't know this. Thanks. I don't know what could happen. All this, and uh, you know, my sponsor was just very patient, and he said, "Look, he, the things he told me, he said, um, you need to have a higher power." He didn't tell me what my higher power was, or he just said I needed to have one, and the only requirement was that it be a loving higher power. And he said that I needed to work the steps with him if I was going to work with him. And so that's what we did, you know, and I, I got a food plan, which was three meals a day, nothing in between, no sugar. And then I started to work the program, you know, and I went to a billion meetings, like, I, not a billion, obviously, but I went, to, I went to meetings, and I went to all kinds of meetings, like I went to all the OA meetings, and then I went to, like, every other meeting there was, because there was lunchtime meetings in OA downtown at that point, at 325 Market, and I'd go, I'd go to those a few days a week. 
and then in the evenings if there wasn't an OA meeting I was going to I was I'd go to an AA meeting and then, and on the weekends I would go to two and three meetings each day some OA and you know because I just I just found a way to not eat between meals by going to meetings I like I went to work and I went to meetings and uh, it seems a bit extreme but like I, 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 that's part of my nature is to be like that. But also, I, I, I was just done. I was just willing to try it, you know. And I didn't want to go back. And of course, once I got a few days, and I got seven days, and you know, fourteen days, and thirty days, and stuff, I didn't want to go back because pretty soon, like it was, it you know, it wasn't like I was losing a lot of weight, which was a big obsession when I came here. It was just having the freedom, even though it was hard, having the freedom. Not having to engage with the food every day was a relief. Like not having to, like sometimes as as lonely as the sound is when you put the spoon or fork down after eating dinner is, it hits the bowl and you're like, that's a lonely sound. There was a relief in that, in the sense I don't have to deal with it anymore. I don't have to fight this. I don't have to engage with it. And uh, I knew, and I just kept doing it. And uh, I started doing the steps, you know. And I did the steps. And I, that's the one thing about step one was really important. I always think it's a very important step. Um, everybody has a different road to it. For me, when I shared that with another person, it was it was the first time I really shared honestly about my compulsive overeating and what it was like at the best that I could at the time. And I didn't feel judged or I didn't feel... They weren't confused. They weren't baffled by what I said or surprised or... There was nothing. They were like, yeah, that, you know, and I, that was a, that was encouraging to know that you're in the right place that that happened. And then... Um, for me, step two, like the higher power, was never a real problem. I never delved too much into the technicalities of it, other than I had a higher power and I asked for help. And But, I mean, they, that's just me. Other people have difficulty with that, but there's a whole chapter in the book about it. Like, it's not like you're the only person ever to have that problem. It's it's common, and there's lots of people with lots of different experience on how to, you know, still work a program and work through that. And then... Got to, you know, doing the fourth and fifth step, you know, because from that story of being a kid and all that, like shame was something like a blanket you carry with you. That's what I carried with me all the time. You know, I wasn't, I was just ashamed of eating. And by the time I was 30, I was ashamed of everything, you know, and it's just a shame is just a, a feeling. So that was a big thing about doing the fourth step and doing the sharing at the fifth step with another person was just an invent was just it was just a step towards um away from the shame you know what i mean because again i didn't i trusted the person i did it with and i didn't feel judged and stuff and then i went to um step what was it step six and seven my character defects uh, i mean i'm bouncing off the walls i mean i've got 60 six months or less than six months of abstinence i don't know what my character defects were or weren't <laughs> so i kind of say i really spent a lot of time on step six and seven the first time i worked through the steps i mean i did a, a lot a lot of work later but i got onto steps eight and nine was a lot more concrete and easy to grasp you know like a list of people i'd harmed and then i, I was making willing to make direct amends to them that was that was there was no that was looming in front of me and I, and you know I'm a people pleaser so the last thing I want to do is go in front of people and admit to them that I did something wrong and ask for the problem. 
But I, I made the list, and you know, the thing that somebody explained to me about the steps is the steps are in order, and you're a different person. Like, when I get to step two, I've done step one, I'm a different person. And when I'm at step three, I've done step two, one, and two. And that's my experience. Like, by the time you get to the, the step, you're in a different, you're a different person. At least I was. I had a different mental attitude. I had a different willingness. So, like, I didn't have to worry about step eight and nine until I was there you know, till I got to that. And then when I got there, I just did step eight. And then when I got to do step one, where I had to make direct amends, I mean, there's direct amends that are really difficult when you get to do them, but I didn't, I didn't do them all in one day, you know what I mean? I, I did one amends the first day, and I just did one that was easy, and I did it, and then I did the next one and the next one. And, and like everything in this program, if you put it in front of you, if I ask for help and keep doing it, there'll be a day when I've gone through it you know what I mean as, as long as I don't avoid it and and there were times you know when I'd be going faster or slower at the steps but I it's always kind of going back towards them and moving forward and then I got to the point where I got um you know 10 11 and 12 I mean look for me and I think it's really helped me stay in program and be engaged in program and have was Pretty early on, I got I, I got sponsees in the program, you know, and they were, you know, I mean, I, I might have been six or nine months, and they were just new or whatever. But I started to work, and that's that's not uncommon. But I've always had sponsees, and it's always kept me engaged with the program, you know, and kept me not so much honest, but like I'm never I never have sponsees that whatever they're going through is I don't have some reflection of it in, in what I in in me as well. You know, we all have the same disease, and it's amazing how common everything that we go through. And none of us are, I mean, to my experience, again, none of us are, are that unique. So that that's really helped me a lot. And then, of course, that's my experience with the program. And then, of course, life happens all the time. And the whole lot of that, that just sets you up for the thing. And uh, there's only two problems after that, and they're usually finance and romance, you know. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, I didn't know where my credit card was, and you know, there was no romance. <laughs> so, I was. Uh, I luckily I always had a good thing and I, a good job, and the finance part was wasn't dif wasn't difficult. I mean, you could always be better, you could always do it differently, but it wasn't a, a huge thing. So, but romance was a. I was terrified of of um, judgment. I was terrified of relationships. I, you know, they were, I just couldn't, like, it, it didn't even, I didn't, of course I wanted, I mean, I have red blood in my veins, of course I wanted to be in a relationship, <laughs> like, that's true, like, I would, but I, it never even kind of came in my mind like that, you know what I mean, it was, I was just kind of cut off from it for a long time, and then, of course I wanted to do it, but I was terrified, and then any actions I would to, take around dating were, very scary for me, you know, I would be like, of course it, it's irrational, but that's the way they were, you know, it was just irrational. So the thing is when you're, you have an excuse when you're 350 pounds, right? You're like, well, I'm 250 pounds, I don't have to do it. But when you're kind of a more normal weight and you're still not asking anybody out and you don't know how to do it and you don't, like it's, it's, it's very confusing. But I worked through all of that with, with people in the program and, you know, and I've got, I got in relationships and into relationships and all that and of course, I can't do everything right, but I've I've been married now for ten years, and I've, you know, it's a it's a great relationship. It's a very different thing that you could ever have imagined, and I totally attribute that to this program. You know, they, I couldn't have showed up for that and been in that and done all of that without it. 
and everybody's different, but that's my experience. And I don't, I never speculate what it would be like if I didn't, because I don't know. Like you can't, the thing is you can't, you can't underestimate or estimate what the disease will take somebody. But I've seen other people, like in my family, you know, my dad, the alcoholic, like there's no end to where these, the diseases of addiction will take you, right? And you can never predict it. And, you know, people always, they will say, well, I would die. I mean, death is sometimes the easier answer. There's a long, slow road before death. And I, I don't, and then that's just, that's the extreme thing. There's also just how they interact in the world on a day-to-day -day basis when you're in the cups of your disease. It's just not easy. So I'm so grateful for the program. I'm so grateful not to be abstinent today and not have to uh, just get up and do that battle every day, you know, and just get on with the normal things of life. And, of course, life happens. There's ups and downs and good and whatever. But I'm just really grateful to have the footing and the basis in a way and the people I met here to, to get me. Okay, thanks.